Amen. How many of y'all glad to be in the Lord's house tonight? Amen. So good to be here. Appreciate the good choir singing. If you're visiting with us tonight, we want to thank you for being in the service with us. Let's all stand. We're going to receive the offering tonight. And uh, we'll let the ladies just play something as the adult bluegrass comes and gets ready. And we'll have some good uh, singing, all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. You give as the Lord would have you to give. Brother Tim Jones, would you pray over the offering? Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Amen. You can be seated. Word testimony tonight. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. That's good testimony. Be raised in church all the days of your life. Amen. You worship with them as they sing.
When you needed shelter, he covered you with his love. Trials and through blessings, he's been faithful and true. Look what God has done for you. Look what God has done for you. See what he has brought you through. Someone, he was there until the end. Strong and mighty tower, you can always run to. Look what God has done for you. Look what God has done for you. See what he say I love the Lord tonight. Thank you for saving me. <coughs> no, we didn't have to. No, I'm unworthy of it. But I'm so glad tonight that he did. Yeah. I want to thank him for all that he's done for me. He done something for me this week. 
I just want to praise him. I don't want to let the chance go by to not say thank you, to not publicly acknowledge what he does, what he does every day. I'm like you, preacher. I'm fed up with a lot of the stuff going on. But I'm so glad that I've got somebody I can trust in. I don't have to worry about what's happening here. I can just trust and keep on walking. And I just thank him tonight for all that he does. Amen. in the morning after my shower and everything and uh, so I picked up my phone I thought well I'll just I'll just look one up on here on my Bible app and I looked it up and it was talking about how when plan E does the plan A doesn't go your way that you can trust plan B you know that you can and I'm just glad that I don't I don't trust in plan A or plan B God's plan is what the plan that that is for my life and as a Christian I want to follow that plan and I don't have to worry about plan A or plan B or plan C all the way to Z I know that what he's got for in, for in store for me is what is best for my life, and I just want to thank him for that reminder. I don't need silver and I don't need gold and I don't need the things of this world to satisfy my soul but I need Jesus and all I'm caught in a storm. He takes care of me. And he's all I need when that time will come. When I cross that river, when my life here is done. When I fought the battle, the victory's been won. He's all I need. I don't need 
fortune and I don't need fame and I don't really care if anyone ever knows my name cause I know Jesus and he That's all that matters, cause he is the answer, he's my everything, and he's all I need when trials come, and he's all I need when there's nowhere to turn, and when I'm in trouble, I'm caught in a storm, he takes care of When that time will come, when I cross that river, when my life here is done, when I fought the battle, the victory's been won, he's all I need, and he's all I need, when that time will come, when I cross that river, when my life when I fought the battle, victory's been won. He's all I need. He's all I need. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 That's good. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. 
That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Isn't that a blessing tonight? I'm glad God takes care of us. I don't care how many times I hear that song. It just, I mean, it just speaks to my soul, doesn't it, yours? He's all I need when I'm in trouble. How many times have you been in trouble? More than I know. And Jesus has always been exactly what, what I need. Amen. First Kings chapter number 13 and I sound like I've been smoking a pack of cigarettes. Two packs, camels unfiltered is what it sounds like. Amen. And, uh, but I promise you I hadn't. Amen. Not today anyway. Some of y'all. Amen. <clears throat> it was a good service this morning. And I appreciate the, appreciate the Lord just passing by. Amen. First Kings chapter 13. And I'll just preach a few minutes tonight. If you'll stand with us, verse number 23, 1 Kings chapter number 13, and verse number 23. The Bible says, And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him, and his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass, and behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and hath slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. And he spake to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. And he went and found his carcass, cast in the way, the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he said his carcasses in his own and laid his carcass in his own grave. And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And he came to pass after he had buried him that he spake to his son saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria surely shall, shall surely come to pass. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray tonight in Jesus' name. God, that you would take the message and speak to our hearts. I ask, Lord, that you would be uh, glorified and magnified in our midst. Lord, I pray that you would touch us physically and spiritually and mentally for just a few moments. And may we draw help from the Word of God, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to draw your attention to verse number 31. And I want you to notice where the old prophet says in verse 31 that it came to pass after he had buried him, he spake to his son saying, when I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. I want to preach on a few minutes tonight on this subject on don't bury me in that tomb. 
don't bury me in that tomb. You see, when you think about this story tonight, this is a story that the, the only conclusion I can come to after reading the story over and over and over again, and if you've read chapter 13, then you know this story well concerning the young prophet and the old prophet is that the conclusion of this story is that it ends only one way, and that is in confusion. There's a lot of questions about the old prophet that is not answered. In fact, I read several commentaries today about this story and they came to the same conclusion that you and I will come to at the end of this story and that is confusion, amen? Because there's a lot of things that do not make sense. But what we do have in verse number 31 is that we have in this tomb here, we have the young prophet is buried here and the old prophet says to his sons, when I'm dead, I want you to buried me in that tomb. Now, when you think about the day came when the old prophet died and he was buried in the tomb with the young prophet. What did this tomb represent? It represented a young man that had fallen and it represented an old man that had compromised. I want to say, my friend, I do not want to be buried in the tomb with the fallen and the compromised. While they were both men of God and God used them and they both had a message and God's hand at one time was upon all upon their life, it does matter how our life ends. Isn't that right? And the ending of both of these men's life does not end well. If you go back with me to chapter 13 and verse number one, I want you to notice in the early verses here, the younger prophet. And I want you to see that this younger prophet is basically known in these first nine verses for four things. First of all, in verses one through five, he is known for his preaching. The Bible says, and behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeremiah stood by the altar to burn incense and he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said O altar altar thus saith the Lord behold a child shall be born unto the house of David Josiah by name and upon these shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee now when you think about this young prophet as he comes in he delivers a message and this message in verse number two it was very bold he stands in the presence of the king and he preaches what God has laid upon his heart. It was very balanced in verse number three. The Bible said that he gave a sign the same day saying, this is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent and the ashes thereupon shall be poured out. In other words, he gives them the word of God, but then because there wasn't a complete canon of scripture, he gave them a sign to prove that what he said was from the Lord. Amen. I think all preaching, that's Bible preaching, will be balanced and will be proven by the text. Amen? It was very biblical because in verse number five exactly what he said in verse three came to pass in verse number five. The Bible said the altar also was rent and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God gave or had give, of God had given by the word of God. This young man is known for his preaching. He was bold in his preaching. He was balanced in his preaching but he was biblical. He told them what God had laid upon his heart. And there was no question at the end of the day that this man had done right. He was not only known for his preaching, but if you go back to verse number four, he was known for his protection. The Bible said that it came to pass that when the king Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand.
again from the altar saying lay hold on him and his hand which he put forth against him dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. You know the Bible said in the book of Isaiah touch not thine anointed neither do thy prophet any harm. He put forth his hand against the man of God and what verse number four proves is that the office of a preacher is higher than the office of a politician. Amen. While the politician has been given authority by the people the man of God has been given divine authority that comes from God and when this politician began to put his hand on the man of God God protected him we as preachers in this day we ought to preach and stand against sin because God is going to take care of us if we'll be faithful to his word so he was known for his preaching he was known for his protection he was known for his prayer look at verse number 6 the Bible said that the king answered and said unto the man of God entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me. Isn't it interesting how that when people will hate you for telling the truth but when they get in trouble they call on you to pray for them. He calls on this man and says will you pray for me and thank God for the compassion of this man of God, this young man as the Bible says uh, uh, that the, uh, and the man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored him again and it became as it was before. You would have thought a Jeroboam would have repented. I mean, this man has preached the truth. Uh, the truth has came to pass in his very in front of him before his very eyes. Uh, he tried to put his hand on the man of God and God punished him for that. But the man of God prayed and God heard his prayer. But I want you to know in spite of everything that happened and in spite of everything that he saw, when the young man is dead in verse 33, the Bible said, after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priest of the high places. I want to tell you something tonight about sin. If people are not willing to repent over their sins, uh, troubles in their life will not turn them, will not change them, even miracles themselves will not change their mind until they're willing to repent. Isn't that right? And so this young man is known for his preaching, his protection, his prayer. But then in verses seven through nine, this young man is known for his position. Because the king says in verse number eight to the man of God, come home with me and refresh thyself and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, if thou wilt give me half thine house, I'll not go with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place for it was charged me by the word of the Lord saying, eat no bread nor drink water nor turn again by the same way thou camest. Here is a young man that he's got a good message. He has preached the truth. He has took the right stand. He has prayed. God has his hand on it. His prayers are being heard and he takes the right position, amen? He's a young man taking a strong stand even against the king of his day. You know, I thank God for young preachers, don't you? I thank God for young men in this day and time that God's calling to preach. Uh, some that are even sitting here tonight and that are wanting to do right and take the right stand. This young man took the right Right position. But listen, what begins to happen in the next few verses uh, leading up to our text proves this point that if God or that if the devil tonight cannot get prestige and popularity, if he cannot get those who are in a, a great authority uh, to lead you down the wrong path, sometimes uh, he will even go in the bounds of religion uh, to, de to, to deter you and get you on the wrong path. When you come to verse number 10, I notice here the desire of this older man of God 
God as the Bible said that he went another way talking about the young man and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now verse 11 said there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king them they told also to their father and their father said unto them what way went he? For his sons had seen the, what way the man of God went which came from Judah. And he sent unto his son, saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass and he rode thereon and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak and he sent unto him, art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Now this is interesting tonight because I do not quite understand why this older prophet, after he heard the story, after he knew the position of the younger man, why he would pursue him and try to get him off the right way. But I do want to stop and say this. It is a sad commentary, but yet it takes place. There are older preachers today, and thank God for those that are faithful and those that are standing. But there are older men that have compromised, uh, and you know what they want to do? They want to try to lead the younger men in the way that they're going. Hey, you younger men, listen to me tonight and hear me well. What the next few verses is going to prove to us is this, uh, that anytime someone tries to lead you away from what the word of God has said, it's going to get you in trouble every time. You see, the principle in this text is this. It doesn't matter what a preacher says. It doesn't matter if an angel from heaven said it tonight. Listen, God, if he put it in that book, the word of God trumps over everyone and everything that happens in this life. Amen. See, a lot of times people think, well, God must be in that. But do you know that God gets blamed for more things than anybody on earth? People stand up and say, well, God said this and God said that. And the only way we really know if God said it is if it lines up with the Bible. So the old prophet comes to him, and I will say this in verse number 14. Had the young man not lingered under that tree, he would have outrun the old prophet and would have stayed on the right path. You know, the sin of lingering has destroyed a lot of people. Lot lingered in Sodom. You think about David lingered on the rooftop when he should have been in the heat of the battle. Sometimes, uh, listen, just uh, being idle in life can cause you to get into sin in places you never would have thought about. Here's a young man lingering under this oak tree. The old man comes to him in verse number 15. I know I'm laying a lot of groundwork, but really the introduction is the main body and just a thought I'll give you at the end. Then he said unto him, come home with me, in verse number 15, and eat bread. Then he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. Now notice the old prophet in verse 18. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring me back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. Notice this last phrase. But he lied unto him. It's interesting, isn't it? That this old prophet would pursue this young man in such a way that he would even go so far as to lie to him and say that God, an angel, had given him a word when he had not. 
When I think about this, there's a lot of things that comes to my mind that bothers me about this older prophet. It bothers me that he was living so close to where Jeroboam was at and that God did not send him to preach to Jeroboam, but he sent a young man from a further distance than where he was living. It bothers me that he would pursue him so much as to lie to him. And then we get to verse number 19. And the Bible says, so he went back. That's always a sad commentary. When a young man goes back, he goes back with him and he did eat bread in his house and drank water and it came to pass. As they sat at the table, notice this, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back and he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah saying, thus saith the Lord for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hath not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which the Lord did say to thee, eat no bread and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. Now I read a lot of reading and said a lot of things to just simply bring us to the text because when by the time you get to our text in verse 23, there's a lot of questions the young man, as we read, in the beginning gets on uh, the ass and he, he travels and there's a miracle even in his death as the lion comes out who represents Satan and he takes this young man's life but the lion miraculously just stands there. He doesn't, he doesn't tear the young man to pieces. He kills him but he doesn't devour him. He doesn't even devour the ass that is standing nearby. And so word goes back into the city and when word gets back into the city, what you see in verse number 26 all the way down to the placing of this young man in this tomb here is you see the compassion, you see the concern, you see the extent of sacrifice that the old prophet is willing to go to and through to bring this young man home. I mean, the Bible says in verse number 27 that he spoke to his son and said, saddle me the ass, and they saddled him. And he went and found his carcass cast in the way and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God. The Bible says he laid it upon the ass and he brought it back. And the old prophet came into the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave. And they mourned over him saying, Alas, my brother. Now if you'll get this in your mind for just a few moments and I'll be done. I read this the other day and I came, I'll be honest with you, I've read it several times. Because when I came to the end of, of this story, here's what came to my mind. The young man was doing right. The young man preached a great message. He took a strong position. God was using the young man. He leaves and he's going down the right path and he would have continued had it not been for the old prophet. The old prophet convinces him to come back. He is sitting there and as they're eating that bread, God speaks through the old prophet and it costs the young man his life. And when you get to these verses we've read where he brings a young man back into town, I think you'll agree with me tonight. It's really hard to tell what the old prophet's motive is. It's really hard to tell why he even brought the young man back. Why did he bring him back? I thought to myself, Brother Brian, I thought maybe he brought him back because of guilt. Maybe he felt like this is my fault. This is, this is all because of me. And the very least I can do is I can go get him and I can bring him back. He, maybe he felt so guilty he went and got the young man. 
Maybe he brought him back because of grace. Maybe he thought, well, he's disobeyed. He got out of the will of God and and that the very least I can do is give him a proper burial. And so just out of pure grace, he went and got him back. But I'll tell you, there's another thought here. Maybe he did it for glory. Maybe being the old prophet and not evidently having a word in some time, maybe he did it because being the old prophet, he wanted to be the one that brought him back into town. He wanted to be the one that that gave him his tomb. He stood before the city. The Bible makes an emphasis there that he brought him back into the city and they mourned before all. And oh, I'm sure it must have been a sign. I'm sure word must have traveled. Well, this young prophet started out good, but as the older man of God, said uh, he deviated uh, and he died as a result of that but the old prophet in his compassion uh, he brought him back in why even gave him his own tomb uh, and put him there maybe he did it for glory but here's a sad commentary he's lived his life in verse in chapter 13 in such a way that you really don't know what his motive is it's interesting that God used him God gave him a word didn't he to the young prophet but look at verse number 18, that little phrase in verse 18, but he lied unto him. You say, but Brother Gravely, God used him. God spoke through him. He did, but he lied unto him. But he went after him after he died. Uh, He took his dead body. He saddled his ass and he brought it back into town. What compassion. Oh, what compassion. But he lied unto him. He gave his own tomb. He he, he sacrificed uh, and gave his tomb uh, and put it. Yes, he did, but he lied unto him. I even made a bold statement. I want to lay beside this prophet, put my bones next to him, and he did, but he lied to him. You can't get past the fact that he lied to him. I want to tell you, he not only lied to him, but he lived a lie. Because there was opportunity after opportunity for the old prophet. I mean, I could have somewhat have had some mercy, somewhat they would have seen some character had the old prophet confessed at some point to the people. But instead, you know what he does? He stands tall. He stands before them all and just gives the word of God as if he had absolutely nothing to do with it when he in the end was responsible for the fall. I want to tell you, Sad commentary, but I've seen preachers down through the years. They preached and they preached the word of God, but they lied. Anybody ever met a preacher that lied? I hope it's no members here. (laughs) If a preacher's known for anything, you ought to be known for one thing, that's telling the truth. I know preachers that told stories and I scratched my head and I said to myself, there is no way that that happened. That's impossible. I know God can do the impossible, but I've heard stories and I thought, that they, there's no other explanation. I, I've went home and thought about it and meditated on it. I'm sure you have too. I thought, how did that really happen? Did that happen that way? And I thought, you know what? I've come to this conclusion. They lied. And don't y'all act like you've never heard a lying preacher. And don't come to me after service and say, you never lied or I'll know you're lying right there. Isn't that right? 
He conceals it and acts like he's justified. Oh, he sacrificed. He gave his all for this young man. But the truth of the matter is he's lied. He's lived his life in such a way that when we get to the end, maybe he really does have compassion. Maybe he really does want to do right in the end. But he never confessed his own sin before others. He let this young man die with a bad testimony and concealed his own while he was guilty. He lived the lie before others. I don't know if he confessed it later on, but what I do know is that he lived the rest of his life in this text uh, never confessing to what he had really done never owning up to what he'd really done I want to tell you God may use a man to preach uh, but he's used a donkey before somebody say amen uh, God can use anybody and God used this old prophet to deliver the message to the young prophet but the truth of the text is the old prophet died a liar he lied and I don't want to come to the end of my life And people not know what the real motive is because I've lived a certain way. I've seen people in church. It's hard to really know if they're real or not. I mean, some people could go to Hollywood and get a job just like that. I mean, they can turn the tears on like you turn a faucet on. Now, don't y'all get quiet on me. I mean, they can cry crocodile tears. The only truth is their life don't back anything up. I'll stand up in church and, and cry. Some are professional repenters. They're good about every six months. They'll get up and give a confession of repentance, but you know what? The thing is, they go right back to doing the same old thing they always did. And then six months later, here they are, confessing it all over again. Can I just be honest with you and just, just be real for just a few moments here? It's really hard to, I mean, you want to believe them. Can, are y'all, any of y'all like that? I want to believe them, Brother Wilson, and, and I want to give them 70 times 70 a day, and I know that's what we're supposed to do, and I'm glad I'm not God, amen, because uh, if I was God, they'd be dead, and I probably would too, amen? But I'm telling you, God is merciful. But the fact is, they lie so much, who knows what they're thinking, amen? They'll come to you and they'll say things and you don't know their motive. And those people, if they don't change their ways, they're going to be just like this man. They're going to be buried in the tomb with the fallen and the compromise, never knowing where they really stood. Integrity matters tonight. It matters. Our words should be our bond. You say, preacher, have you ever told a lie? Well, I don't want to lie to you right now. Can I plead the fifth? I want to tell you tonight, we ought to be real at all times. Confession is good for the soul. Somebody say amen. It's not not a verse of scripture, but it is a good principle in the word of God. And this young man, or this old prophet, he's standing here in the midst of this city. They're weeping. They're saying, alas, my brother. But the only thought in my mind is, did it ever cross his mind? Is there any guilt? Is there any remorse? I want to tell you, there's a lot that have fallen in this day and time. There's a lot that have compromised in this day and time. I don't want to wind up in that tomb, do you? I don't want when it comes my time to be buried. I don't want to be that way. I've been to the tombs and you have two of great men, George Washington, D.L. Moody. I knew a lady that passed away and uh, her and her husband bought a grave plot right down to the, in the town, right there below the house where we live and they bought, they bought, uh, bought two grave plots there right on the edge of the road, the, high, of the main road that comes into Chickamauga. 
And about a year or two later, they went and bought two more plots up on the hill because she didn't want to be buried down there. She said the traffic was too noisy. <laughs> and you think I'm joking. She moved up on the hill. Well, they're done planted there now. I want to go by. In fact, I do walk through there every now and then. I think about that, and I wonder if she can hear anything. Try to walk real lightly, Brother Laddie, when I go past them, you know. Don't want to wake them up, amen, that's for sure. But I want to tell you something. When you go by a grave, there's a memory that's by that grave. If you know that person, there's a memory when you walk by. Hey, when you walk out in a cemetery, you may not know a living soul in that cemetery, but if you walk by and there's a Confederate flag standing there at the end of that marker, it means something, doesn't it? If there's an American flag, it means something. It stands for something. Hey, that engraving, that marking, that tomb, it does have a testimony tonight. And I don't want to be buried in this tomb. I don't want to live my life in such a way that at the end of the way, people don't know your real motive. Testimony. Conclusion. Confusion. How are you living your life tonight? You say, preacher, what's the end of this sermon? I'm going to tell you what the end of it is. Confusion. If you leave out of here scratching your head saying I can't figure the end of this sermon out, that's mission accomplished for me because I've read it over and over and over again and I've come to this conclusion about this story. We'll never know down here what was going on in the heart of the old prophet. Friend, I want to tell you, we ought to live our life and when it comes time to die and they put us in that tomb, they put us in that ground, they ought to be no question marks in our life. We ought to live in such a way that our life is an open book and people know where we stand. They know what our motive is. They know that we're sincere. You know, don't be the person tonight. I don't know why I'm saying this. Don't be the person that's always trying to get the better end of the deal. Amen. Amen. If you're always trying to get one up on somebody, I'll tell you, there'll be a lot of question marks when you die. He said, well, preacher, don't you want to get ahead? I want to say this tonight. I don't want to beat nobody out of nothing. Is that right? I don't want to try, I don't want to, try to, to better myself at the, at, at the loss of others. Amen. I'm not saying if you're selling something, you want to get the most out of it. I understand that. But don't lie about it. Isn't that right? How I many if I was to sell shotgun today and, and, and tell you it's the greatest shotgun in the world and, and, and you know, uh, and tell you that, I don't know, Stonewall Jackson held this shotgun. Well, if you buy that, <laughs> I got a whole lot more shotguns to sell you. <laughs> don't lie about things. Amen. Live your life in a way that people, if somebody does tell a lie on you, they'd say, you know what, you have to prove that to me. I wouldn't believe that about them. You know, something just happened the other day about a preacher and word got out. And the person that told me was not telling that to be, not to gossip. They just, they loved this man of God and they, they were concerned about it as we all would be. And they was telling me about it and they said, what do you think about it? I said, I don't know. I said, but I know one thing. I said, that man has served God for 40 years. He's been faithful. He's kept himself clean, and he's lived for God. 
I said, the burden of proof in my mind is not on him. It's on those that are making the accusations. If they've got the goods, let them roll it out and let's see it. Is that not the way it should be? I'm going to tell you, we're living in a day when you're no longer, you're no longer innocent until proven guilty. Somebody was to say something on me tonight. I'm going to tell you, the day we're living in, friend, the jury's done out, the verdict's done in in this society. But that's not what that book says, is it? So we got to be careful that we live our life in such a way that there's no question marks when we come to the grave as we stand tonight.